Welcome to the Keeping the Dream Alive podcast brought to you by Torch Technologies. In this podcast, you will learn about all things Torch, from its history to its culture, employee ownership, commitment to the warfighter, our community involvement, and so much more. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen, and stay connected with Torch by following us on all your social media platforms. Thank you so much for listening, and we hope you enjoy the Keeping the Dream Alive podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Keeping the Dream Alive podcast. Today, I'm sitting down with, to talk with Bill Wart, co-founder of Torch Technologies. Thank you so much for joining me today. As we approach the 20th anniversary of Torch, I want to talk a little bit about the employee owners, as this is also Employee Owner Month in October, and the initial structuring of that and the impact it is having on current employees today. This idea of being 100% employee-owned is something that you and Don Holder agreed would be a core principle in the business. How is this concept of being employee-owned perceived at that time in 2002, and were many other companies having similar structures? Well, in 2002, this was not as common as it is today. We had a couple of prominent companies in town that were employee-owned, Dynetics and Camber. In fact, I had worked at Camber's where I got the idea for doing the employee ownership. So they were certainly out there and was accepted. But as we rolled out the idea of being employee-owned, a lot of the early employees were excited about it, but it did take some education to explain to folks exactly what our plan was in mind. We committed at the time when we were bringing folks on board to be 100% employee-owned by the 10-year mark. And we never really defined what that meant. That could have been that 100% of the employees own stock, I suppose, would have been one interpretation. And certainly some folks took that interpretation. Or it could be that the employees own 100% of the stock, which is what we meant when we were doing it. And we committed at the beginning, an ESOP is a little bit difficult to run and needs, it's a little bit expensive, relatively speaking. So we did some back of the envelopes on what we thought the costs were. And we sort of decided we needed to wait until we were 50 employees so that the cost would not take up a big portion of the benefit. And so we wrote down that we would start the ESOP when we were 50 employees and, uh, in the meantime, every employee that came on board, no matter what the position, got a stock option. Now, the size of the stock option was commensurate with the expectations and tied to the performance of the employees. And, and certainly any stock option beyond that original stock option that was given when you became an employee was tied to performance in terms of making the company better. We did meet that goal of being 100% employee-owned, employees owning 100% of the stock and all the stock being in employees' hands. Within the 10-year cycle, in fact, we met it in the nine-year cycle, we also met the uh, commitment that when we were 50 employees that we would put the ESOP in place. And we actually met the 50 employees late in 2004, and so we implemented the ESOP then in 2005, but because we felt like we'd made the commitment to have it in place when we were 50 employees, we made a retroactive contribution for 2004. We got it done early in 2005, and there was still time to make our contribution for 2004, so we did that. Caught most of the employees a little bit by surprise because they weren't expecting until the following year. But we didn't want to leave anything open for an interpretation. We said 50 employees, so we made it 50 employees, and we made it 50 employees in 2004 when we actually achieved the 50 employee mark late that year. So we set the company in motion by trying to honor the commitments that we made to the employees and to make sure we did those within the boundaries we set them. Probably would have been much better for Don and I both had we stretched it out to the 15-year <laughs> mark instead of the 10-year mark, and we may be a little naive in committing at the 10-year mark because 
the company grew substantially in those five years and the stock price grew substantially in those five years. So we left a lot of funds on the table, but we felt like our word was more important uh, than uh, than that extra money. And, mm-hmm. uh, it's worked out okay for us anyway, so I won't be complaining about <laughs> it. So yeah, things I'm, are good and we're happy. So. Yeah. What was that moment like in 2011 when you actually finally achieved that 100% employee ownership milestone? You know, there's a lot of satisfaction in completing something that you committed to. And, of course, we'd been building to that and uh, over that seven or eight year period leading up to that we bought about five or six percent of stock a year which put us in the 40 45 percent range there in the last that one transaction we bought 50 55 percent give or take a little bit all in that one transaction there was a threat of a huge tax increase the following year so we accelerated a year and did it in year nine versus year 10 because we thought they were going to raise income tax substantially and we didn't want our employees to be penalized by the tax increase so we sped it up a little bit in order to avoid that tax increase. Turns out they didn't get their act together and the tax increase never made it. So <laughs> it became somewhat, well, it became irrelevant. But I tell you, there was a lot of satisfaction, I think, for both Don and I to have achieved what we said we were going to do. We never thought a second time about not doing that. We had a number of employees who had substantial stock who had tried to talk us in, well, let's wait a little longer because they didn't want to give up their stock. But we all knew the rules when we started, and uh, we knew what the goal was, and the goal was to be 100% employee on and be 100% in the ESOP, and we did what we said we were going to do, and I still feel good about it today. <laughs> so now I kind of want to talk a little bit about the actual impact it's had on employees, and so now joining the podcast, Brady Porter, a current employee of Torch. Can you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you do here at Torch and how long you've been here? Sure. I'm Brady Porter, and I help lead the Advanced Concept Engineering Group. And that's about 600 employee owners. I've been with Torch for 18 years. I joined in 2004, just before Bill and Don started the ESOP. So it's been pretty incredible to see the growth over that time, just moving from a small office space on Drake Avenue over to all (laughs) the facilities and capabilities that we have today. It's been an incredible place to grow a career, see other people, other employee owners, grow their careers as well, and then just see the company branching out into new areas like real estate and some other things there. Yeah. So it's been a great place to be. So, I mean, I guess at your time coming here to Torch, was the employee owner aspect of it something that, I mean, it was so new at the time, it probably wasn't something that was even on your radar. How do you think over the last 18 years, it's really impacted your life and kind of your work life and your personal life and everything in between? That's a big question. <laughs> <laughs> it's impacted my life in a lot of ways. So my path to Torch was a little bit by good fortune, actually, at one of my previous companies that I worked for, I worked for Don Holder for a little while. Wow. And then, you know, I had changed companies and went to work for Steve Hainish, whose wife was one of the early employees at Torch. And wow. so we all kind of followed each, <laughs> followed each other over there. And when I arrived at Torch, I had never heard of an employee-owned company before. That was a completely new concept to me. And I remember interviewing with Bill in that small conference room and something that he said to me that I'd never heard before was, Brady, if you grow new business and grow the company, then you're going to get to own that and you're going (laughs) to get to lead that. And to me, as a young engineer that kind of wanted to build a career, that was incredibly empowering. And then the uh, employee ownership aspect of that through the ESOP and stock options early on, those types of things, those were just things that were completely new to me. 
I think what's amazing is just throughout the years, you know, obviously the ESOP and those types of things have grown, but what you really see at Torch are a true family atmosphere and a concern for the employees. Employees are not just a number. Bill and John and others, they know the employees. They know their families. They keep up with them. <laughs> Bill still tells a story about my son getting locked in his car uh, <laughs> on uh, at one of the early Christmas parties, right? So uh, you just don't find that type of connection with your peers anywhere else. Not only does that help from a personal aspect, it helps from a career aspect because we're all trying to build each other up and all trying to grow together. Yeah, I mean, I think what's I kind of want to bring Bill back into this is like when you mentioned that you were interviewing with him and him talking about the employee owners and like you're going to be part of this, you're going to be part of this. Our success is built upon you. Did you see it, Bill, when you were telling people this before the ESOP and the employee owners were kind of like structured? It was before that time or then like that moment when you said that that just kind of sparked something in their eyes like, okay, like this is something that's going to resonate with people for many, many, many years. Yeah, I think as we went through that process, it was a new concept for most everybody we talked to. Very few people were talking about, you're going to own part of the company. So you would see some would light up and recognize what that meant right away, and some would look at it with a bit of confusion. We even had one employee who had decided to leave the company one time some six or eight years in, and as he was processing out, uh, HR asked him, where would you like their ESOP account balance to be spent? Do you want to cash it out or do you... Uh, and explaining the tax penalties of cashing out early, would you like it transferred to your IRA? And and he stopped and paused, and he says, well, I thought that was just funny money. <laughs> and he said, that's actual cash? And I said, yeah, we're going to write a check, and it'll go to your 401k, or you can have whatever it is after taxes, and explain the tax penalties to him again. He said, can I have a few minutes? And he went out in the hallway and called his wife, and he came back in, and he said, hey, do you think I could keep my job here? <laughs> said, uh, I never really fully appreciate that. So, you know, some really understood it right away. Some clearly did not. And uh, we do everything we can to try to make sure people understand it and work hard at that. But it's still a challenge at times. But as we've built out the real estate component of the company, a sister company, Freedom, and when I'm giving the employees a debrief, I like to challenge the younger folks to go get their parents and take a list of the properties <laughs> we own and drive them around town and point out that I own part of this building, I own part of that building. And it takes a couple hours to drive around town oh, yeah. and see all the buildings we have. And and I just, you know, I wish when I was a youngster just out of school and had been working somewhere a year or two that I could drive around and show my parents, look, I'm <laughs> I'm really successful. I'm a real estate tycoon now I yeah. own investments in all these different buildings so there's different aspects of all of it and i do hope that we get the message across that everybody understands it that you do have a stake in the outcome and it is in your interest to perform well make the company do well because it'll come back to see you yeah so you mentioned a little bit earlier about it just like those interactions and that family-like aspect that torch has because of the employee ownerships you know the stories that bill has of your son years ago. And then I, I bet the stories that you have, Bill, of just all the employees. From your perspective, Bill, I want to talk a little bit about just what the employee ownership family aspect of it looks like being a co-founder and kind of seeing it over the last 20 years, as well as you, Brady, your perspective over the last 18 years. Before we go there, let's just say I wanted to break the window and get the, <laughs> get the sun out right away. But uh, it was a new car and Suzanne was not real fun to that. So we had to get a locksmith to, to help us get in. But uh, Anyway, he had a good time in there playing with the key fob, but he never pushed the open button. He <laughs> only pushed the lock button over and over again. 
which made it entertaining for us. But uh, the employee ownership, I think, is key to our culture here. I think it's very fundamental in how we do business. We want to have people feel like they are owning the company and that they're participating in the success of the company. We want them to have an input and be encouraged to you know, make the company do well and to find ways to do things better or to support customers better, come up with solutions that make a difference for us. Uh, it's ingrained in our culture, and I think it's been key to our success, and hopefully we can keep that going forward. It's certainly something I believe in. You know, we've launched this campaign to be evergreen as we grow up and become a bigger and bigger business. We want to make the commitment that we're going to be in this business and this business will be here 20, 30. We've finished 20s, 20 years. Uh, we want to look at this as a stepping stone instead of an exit. A lot of companies, when they're in the 15, 20 year, they're looking for an exit. Certainly, as a founder is approaching retirement age, they're looking for an exit. I'm hoping that we're looking for an on-ramp with the future where we become bigger and stronger and we introduce more people to the aspect of they could own their own company, just come and be a part of it. Yeah. So I think back to a job I had prior to coming to Torch, and I remember working on a particular project over a number of weekends, and it was a lot of hard work, a lot of long hours, and newly married, had a kid, and spent a lot of time away from my family. And I remember just thinking that weekend, you know, that something doesn't seem right about this. <laughs> I'm, I'm just breaking my neck trying to make this project successful. And from a career standpoint, it wasn't really clear how that was really going to impact my career. But several years after coming to Torch and starting to see some of the value of the ESOP grow and those types of things, it really motivated me to work harder and to try to build a career more because that really benefited my family. That employee ownership is going to help pay for my kids' college, you know, and help them get a good start in life and do things for my family. There's a greater return for my family there. And so I like to work hard and try to grow the company, but this just gives it that much more meaning you oh, yeah. know, because it doesn't just benefit me in my career, it really benefits my family too. And I think that's a huge benefit to every employee. You know, you're not just working for yourself and building wealth, you're building things for your family and, and a future for your family as well. You just don't get that at other companies. Yeah. So you talked a little bit like 18 years ago when you had a couple of your other colleagues kind of making the push and making the decision to come to Torch and then you inevitably come to Torch as well. Did you seeing those benefits of the ESOP within the first couple of years and like within the first five or six years of you working here, were you also kind of telling people that you worked at other places like, hey, there's this place that has employee ownership. And I feel like, like I said, it, it was a new thing that people were kind of learning at that time. Mm -hmm. And so that informative side of it of being able to inform people like, hey, there is this long hours, those weekends that we both put together working away from our families. Well, you can do that, but then it's also going to benefit your family. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, once you kind of experience that success and the benefit of working for an employee-owned company, you want to see other people benefit from that as well, right? And so it's a really powerful recruiting tool and trying to grow the company and bring in new employees and new engineers. It was pretty easy to recruit <laughs> folks once you could communicate the value of the ESOP to them and had some early on successes bringing some young folks in to the company as well. And I know that that's made a huge impact for them. Yeah. I mean, you talked a lot about just the benefits and kind of that advice and that sort of guidance you were giving people early on. If someone's listening now and is looking at being an employee of torture, kind of looking into torture, you know, newly graduated, whatever it might be, whatever case it might be. 
what is one piece of advice or one lesson or one thing that you'd want to leave them with about your experiences here at Torch over the last 18 years? So I think, and this is a little bit true for anywhere, but I heard someone say the grass is greener where you water it, <laughs> right? It's not always greener on the other side. The grass is greenest where you water it. And there's a huge opportunity to really grow a career at Torch and build wealth for your family through the ESOP. I think the advice would be to look at the big picture and look at the long term and what value is that ESOP going to offer an employee over the long term and how much is it going to help their family and then what kind of work environment does that create for you. So if you put in the effort and you put in the work, you can have a highly successful career at Torch and make that whatever you want it to be. It's a great place to be and uh, kind of keep the dream alive. Yeah. Well, Thank you both so much for joining me today. And I love learning more about the employee ownership aspect of Torch, kind of learning about the initial framework that you, Bill, were able to set up with Don and kind of that initial structure and being able to be employee-owned in 2011, 100%. And then you, Brady, your experiences here at Torch over the last 18 years. If you are listening and you want to find out more information about Torch, you can visit their website, torchtechnologies.com today. And be sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Keeping the Dream Alive podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen and stay connected with us on social media for news and updates surrounding the company. Thank you so much for listening and we hope you enjoyed it.